Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech news show. We go over tech news and, and I don't know, other techie stuff and whatever we feel like talking about. I am historian Matt. And in my segment, I have a new one, new section, new thing I'm trying called Weird Robot News. And then after that, I we're doing a little uh, NFT update slash correction or just follow up. I don't know what you want to call it. We talked about NFTs last episode and some stuff came up. So I have a really short one this time, um, but I think it's a good one. So only other guy on the show. <laughs> yeah, I believe HK is off on an adventure this week and he'll be joining us uh, next week. You'll also be able to catch him this Wednesday on the Intellectual Dollar Tree. I'm producer Dave. I am the one that's recording this show. Um, so that's why I'm here mostly. Uh, this week, I'm actually going to be talking about the hardware that I've purchased for this uh, podcast and uh, streaming studio that I've built in a spare room at my apartment. And so, like you said, I think my segment will be rather quick, but I do really love gear and I love talking about gear. And on the next show, I think people will be a little more interested in it. I'm going to talk about the software, not only the software I'm using here in the studio, but the software that we have on different servers. Uh, serving other purposes for us for recording, broadcasting, and that kind of stuff. So uh, take it away with your segment, Matt. All right. So my first first part of my segment is Weird Robot News. This is a fun one. Uh, unfortunately, I found out recently this is not as new as I thought it was, but it's still fun. So the news is, first robot to post a profile on a dating app, specifically Tinder. Do we have the image up? <laughs> I know people who are listening on the podcast won't be able to see it, uh, but you should look this up if you if you have a chance. The uh, robot's name is Harmony, and the description of this particular it's they call it a robot doll is it's an anatomically correct robot doll with a patented animatronic talking head with programmable personality and memory. I uh, rather if you've seen this image, I don't know. Like, do you know the real dolls? Yeah, have you heard of that? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, I, I do know the real dolls, and it it kind of brings me back to something we talked about uh, last night. But that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I was just gonna say that this if uh, if you're imagining a real doll that basically has a talk, you know, a moving mouth and can make sounds. And I'm really, it's just, it's almost exclusively just a moving mouth. The eyes move a little bit. That's pretty much what this, this robot is. Uh, but somebody, it wasn't actually the creator of this robot. Uh, you can apparently buy this Harmony robot for your own uses, whatever those uses are. <laughs> we don't judge. What? We don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm judging you a little bit. Maybe if you buy this robe, <laughs> you buy this thing, maybe I'm judging a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I, I think it's uh, like, I didn't write this down, so I'm not positive. I think it's like $10,000. So <laughs> it's kind of expensive. But um, so one of the owners, somebody who's bought the, the doll, this or robot decided to make a Tinder profile for her, uh, posted it on Tinder, and it was in the location of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And apparently the, the profile was, was up for about two hours and got 92 matches, 92 whole matches, which is about 92 more matches than I've ever gotten on Tinder. So what I have to <laughs> assume they were doing, right, is they were probably swiping right on everyone. Yeah. I mean, if you don't look closely, she looks like a real person. 
and not a robot. So, and if they weren't reading the description at all, then they, uh, they may have not noticed that. Right. I would imagine it's some combination of people who were intrigued by the, by yeah, the description. I mean, some of them probably were. Yeah. And some people who just didn't read it and yeah. saw what appeared to be a, a pretty lady. Yeah, exactly. Apparently at 92 matches, that makes uh, Harmony more popular than most humans on Tinder. <laughs> a higher number of matches. Uh, but I love this like d- description that was included. At least, I, apparently the description was different or changed or something, but this is like part of what the dis- one of the descriptions included. Which is basically, Hi, I'm an anatomically correct, physically capable robot with the most advanced AI available. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> on the, uh, on I don't the... know if there is any follow up to this. Uh, I don't know if she, Harmony actually went out on any actual dates uh, or what happened. I did find out recently that uh, I thought this was fairly new from my original source. They didn't say when this happened, but apparently some other sources that I just found right before the show. So this actually happened in 2018. Um, so it was a little, little while ago. Maybe she's still on there. Maybe she, maybe she found. Maybe she found the love of her life. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she found someone who was at one time interested in um, ethics and game journalism. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> uh, well, people who know, they know. <laughs> they know. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's all I have for my first segment. So the second one is on NFTs. We mentioned it last time in our previous show. Um, we didn't go into detail. We did talk a little bit about what NFTs are, but it was mostly about the Coinbase and the la- last show is Coinbase starting an NFT market. Well, right after our show came out, there's another major YouTube creator who a lot of us watch. Um, Dave, do you, do you watch Legal Eagle? I do. I do. I like his, uh, yeah. I, I like his, um, his, his content. I was joking with you before because the the link to his uh, video was in the show notes. I was like, "We're not really going to run video from a copyright lawyer on our show, are we?" <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to show the the image from it, but um, uh, yeah. So he he went over. He's I don't know if he's a copyright lawyer. Who's definitely a trial lawyer at one point. But, you know, he went over all the copyright issues with NFTs and just basically all the legal issues. It's not just copyright. And I just wanted to kind of do a shout out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this, but I wanted to cover a little bit of what, you know, do a little overview um, of what he said about NFTs. The first thing is on NFTs, he says they really kind of work as a receipt. So you're, you know, the NFT, you're not buying the actual, I mean, you are buying, you're not buying the actual image, you're buying a receipt that's put on the blockchain that says that you bought this image basically very weird. Um, but how this like whole thing, all these NFTs actually interact with copyright laws is very questionable. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to go into a lot of the details, but I do want to cover some stuff like, um, do you know what click wrap agreement is Dave? No. And I don't, I would be willing to bet the average person who's listening. This also doesn't know what that is. Do you know what it is? Well, I, I only know because uh, legal, legal, went, legal Eagle went over it. Blah. Um, but basically when you install new software and you, you know, the, the agreement that pops up that you don't ever read and just immediately click agree on 
that is what they call click wrap agreement. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so, and, and on, in my case, more often than not, that would be the, instead of that, we would, all the software is GPL that I'm using. Right. I mean, that's still a quick click wrap agreement. You're just agreeing to the GPL or, uh, what is it? Apache license is also very common. You know, all the, right. those licenses It's basically what that is. And I think it's kind of the, not just the license, but the, uh, the way that it's, you know, shown to you, right. You have to agree to it before you can move on. Well, the NFTs generally don't come with that. And that's kind of a problem because you don't know what you're actually buying and, and what, what was the other thing? Um, yeah. Like what exactly is the seller agreeing to do and what are you agreeing to do for the, the NFTs? Like sometimes these NFTs come with other things, you know, <laughs> um, meeting the creator or, or something like that. Uh, or, I think the board apes came with like a coin that you're supposed to get later on, which I guess they actually did. And, and coin, I mean a crypto coin, not, not like a real physical thing. Uh, but they did. I don't think the board, I'm not sure about board apes. I don't know specifics on, on some of this stuff, but if they don't come with that click wrap agreement, you don't know what you're actually getting. Like they can say stuff, but that's not legally binding. Right. Uh, so that's a huge issue. And Along with that, and it's kind of like with the, the copyright part of it, uh, Bored Apes, which is a really popular one, is apparently generated images, which makes sense because they all look exactly this, or almost exactly the same with like little things different, right? And apparently what they actually look like is generated from a computer program where they just basically hash the different variations of, of what what they can have right different looking eyes different mouth and that that sort of thing well if it's generated from a computer algorithm and there is no human involved in actually making it it's a little bit nebulous because a human initially made the original apes right and the the different variations or different parts you can put on but it was generated by a computer well there's pretty solid like copyright law that only a human can create art that is copyrightable. And if a computer is generating it, it may not be copyrightable at all. So you like, if you buy this NFT, you're buying nothing again. And right. then, um, yeah, I, I just, so the, the, and the NFT itself, it's a, it's, a non-fungible token, right? And the idea is because cryptocurrency is basically infinitely fungible, which means you can divide it no, up. It's just, it's fungible. I well, don't think infinite is a thing, but it's just well, fungible. Well, I mean, a dollar, you can only really take it down to a penny in the real world. You know what I'm saying? No, that's not what it means. Fungible means that you can exchange it for something else. So. Oh for the exact same thing. So a dollar is fungible because you can exchange it for another dollar and it's exactly the same thing, like exactly the same value. Oh, see. Uh, listen to me not knowing what I'm talking about at all. This is the, yeah. that's, that's my role here. <laughs> so these are non-fungible and what, what does that mean? Like so that to, to someone that like if me you have who doesn't a board, if you have one board ape, you can't exchange it for another one of this and have it be the same value. They're, they're fundamentally different. And they have different values and, and they're different images, you know, associated with it. Gotcha. They might, it might happen to be the two of them are worth 
the same amount, but that would be coincidence, not fungibility. Right. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, uh, you're interested in cryptocurrency and blockchain. What do you, what is your general view on NFTs? Um, I'm kind of iffy on them because at some level, I like the idea that artists have a way that they can make, you know, different way they can make money, especially like digital artists don't have very good ways they can make a living with their art, you know? And this was an interesting way that people could do that. They could start selling NFTs and make a living off of it. Uh, and you know, add art and digital art to the, to the world kind of thing. But ultimately right now, I think it's being completely overrun by scammers and promoters, you know, people who are not in it for the art, they're in it to make money. And I think it's going to be a big, uh, it is a big problem. And I think it's going to continue to be a big problem for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I know a few uh, digital artists who sort of tried to get on board when they first heard about it. And <clears throat> yeah, um, not trying to speak too much for other people, but a couple of them said that their experience was largely that they felt like small creators and digital artists were getting crowded out of the space by a bunch of by a bunch yeah. of Bitcoin bros, and that you know it that it didn't it didn't make sense to them to do it except as a way to sort of generate income as if people are um, giving them a tip almost. It was sort of how right, they ended right. up looking at it. And the artists I know are like, well, I could just do Patreon or I could just, you know, yeah. e-bag yeah. or whatever. And um, yeah. I, I think, you know, one of the big problems is it's just the lack of regulation around it. Like if, <clears throat> right. if this were more regulated, I could see a way in which you wouldn't be able to do what the board Apes people did where they just, computer generated a bunch of images and sold them you you know an interesting way that it could work out would be like to make an nft of some piece of art you would have to be the copyright owner or even i would say the original artist and then that would be an interesting way where if i you know if i wanted to make an nft of the logo for our our podcast network i don't know why anyone would pay for the nft they would be giving me a tip in that particular case but I am the original artist. I made that in Inkscape. I have the original file. I can prove that I made yeah. the logos. But in in this case, that's not even a requirement. And there's a, there's been cases where people just straight up stole someone else's art and turned it into an NFT. Yep, that is true. Uh, and well, they're they're obviously infringing on copyright. But like, what can you do? Um, also, like I as you know, I paint. You know, I make art myself. And I tried turning one of my paintings in an NFT and it was a similar experience. You know, one of the big things that I've noticed when I tried to to sell it is like, you have to basically sell it for a thousand dollars or more to, to like make any money at all because the costs of transferring stuff on the blockchain is so high, at least on Ethereum. So like, but you know, I don't really feel like my my, the stuff that I make is at that level, you know, I wasn't intending to to sell like at, at that level. It's hard to break in at a lower level and then work your way up to selling more expensive stuff, which right. is what my plan was. So I, I kind of gave up on it. Right. Because if you uh, break in at a lower level, you're going to end up losing money on each NFT. You yes. sell. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's bad. This, <clears throat> this whole thing is 
fraught with a lot of other problems too. There are people writing, there are people writing articles about how the board apes specifically, um, their logos and stuff are uh, reminiscent of, uh, some fascist iconography and that. I think some of them. Yeah. And just the depictions of some of the apes look a little problematic because they're like wearing yeah. a gold chain and shit. You know what I'm, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe the people who started this, like really had that as their intent, except for their logo. Somebody did a video right. about how one of the, one of their logos for the board, Ape yacht club is very reminiscent of a logo for a, um, European enthusiast organization, let's say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and like anything, like anything else like this, I think there's just so much, so many ways for a bunch of bad actors. And I don't mean like Nicolas Cage. I mean, people who have bad character and behave badly <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get involved and like, you know, scam people, take advantage of artists and possibly spread messages that, you know, the people buying the NFTs or who are involved in the NFT community don't even know that they're helping spread because yeah. imagery is very powerful. And when it's attached to money like this and when you just consider the crypto community at large being let's just face it it's like guys that look like us you know yeah and so it's it's just yeah. fraught with like sort of societal problems i think that you know maybe the people who started it out and even the people you know doing the board apes never intended and it just seems like seems like if this is going to be good for artists it seems like some reputable organization needs to step in and you know, create a marketplace where people can make money and things are, you know, traded more fairly. And it's, you're not just at the whim right. of, you know, whatever, <clears throat> whatever NFT exchange you're on, you know, if like the Getty got involved or, you know, some, you know, state or, or federal government, like national endowment for the arts, or if someone like reputable got involved yeah. and sort of tried to like moderate and make sure the contracts attached to them were fair to everybody and like you said the transaction fee that has to go down that just absolutely has yeah. to go down because yeah that's actually not directly related to nfts that has to do with at least ethereum if you're if you're minting them on ethereum the ethereum network uh and we'll see if that changes in the future there's reasons that it could with the new update but also it's just that the price is really high for ethereum right now Right. Minting the NFT is expensive, essentially. Right. Yeah. That's a technical thing. That's not uh, something that somebody just pulled out of the top, you know, top of their head or something. Right. It was, what is that? Pre, a pre, it was a pre-existing condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But well, uh, that's all I have for my segment. Looks like I actually was in time-ish. So uh, what do you got, Dave? Um, yeah, this week I'm going to do, I think this week I'm going to do the hardware that I have here in this studio. I think the people that are kind of interested in this podcast are going to like what I'm doing next week, but I thought that I would end up going really long if I went over all of it. If like, if, if there yeah. was any kind of back and forth or whatever between the, the hosts. So we're going to do the hardware this week. Um, and some of it I'm going to gloss over because like it actually doesn't matter. For example, my first, the first piece of hardware I have to have to do this is a computer, right? Yeah. <laughs> but any it's a specific it, computer. <laughs> it, it is a mid-range gaming computer. Okay. <laughs> there's no reason for me to go over everything inside of this computer. This is there's a show called This Week in Computer Hardware. If people are interested in dorky hardware stuff, those guys do a really good job. Check their show out. That's not this yeah. show. Um, 
The only thing is, the reason you build a gaming computer for streaming, even if you're not gaming, is the demands on the computer are going to be a, very much the same. You still need both compute processor from the CPU and graphics horsepower to display things on the screen. And, you know, yeah. the other thing is it's overbuilt for what we're doing because it's better to have too much power and not have your fans running the whole time than to be like stressing the machine is then parts wear out yeah. more quickly and it just becomes more unreliable. Um, and the computer runs Ubuntu Linux, all, all of the production machines here, save for one, the one behind me that I DJ on, which I'll talk about later. It runs Linux. Um, I have various random computer displays. None of them are all that great. And so there's no real reason to talk about what they are. It's just that <laughs> I like to have a lot of displays so that I can separate things off and kind of know on this display is this stuff on this display is my browser, you know, and it, it's, it's good to be able to separate things out. Other people prefer less bigger displays, but I've never preferred that. I've always liked things being sectioned off. Even when I'm doing yeah. regular work, I like basically browser in one window, terminal in another window, and email on another display, and email on another display. Um, to paint an image for our, our listeners, since I've been in your studio, I don't know if it's changed since I've been there, but kind of looks like uh, the desk you would you'd see for like a, um, a stock trader or crypto trader. They have like screens everywhere, <laughs> right? Only instead of having the... Um, uh, charts up it's all stuff having to do with the the podcast yeah and there'll be a link to the uh the page on our wiki about the studio and you'll be able to see a picture of the studio matt you might be interested in it because it'll be a picture yeah. of the studio like very clean <laughs> <laughs> oh really <laughs> like, i was like picture time i guess i should i guess i should get out the i guess i should get out a feather duster and a vacuum <laughs> yeah there's usually like honestly there's usually like yesterday's beer bottle and like yeah. weed and weed grind there's stuff everywhere um but i also have a uh, a couple laptops i have a uh, one that i use to manage discord and a uh, video ninja if, if like we're doing something with a waiting room the people in the waiting room will be on another display so that i don't have to tab back and forth on one of the other millions of displays i have here and the other laptop is just my carry around that i use to read the chat and stuff um yeah. and the twitch dashboard and that kind of stuff um, I have an Android tablet, which people would be like, why do you have an Android tablet? Well, HK isn't here, but he can be here for just a minute because of this Android tablet. I like <laughs> to think that I'm smart enough to not eat a Tide Pod. It's for like <laughs> morning zoo style, uh, hits and stuff. Um, we've got a variety of different kind of mics in here. Uh, the one I'm on is a Shure MV7. It's actually super happy with it. It's halfway between the sm58 and the sm7b it's about 250 dollars. i'm pretty happy with the purchase it's both uh ex the, go ahead that that microphone looks like the one that every other podcast ha has only i think it's i guess it's a cheaper version of it yeah it's a littler version of it yeah and it comes in silver yeah. and there's stickers on it and stuff i don't have to describe the stickers though these are custom um i've also got a 50th anniversary sure sm58 which <clears throat> i'm not particularly fond of of the mic itself i just just a legendary microphone and when i saw on ebay a few years back that it was the 50th anniversary i'm like i should probably pick one of those up because <laughs> i do care about microphones and i have two or three of these behringer xm 8500 microphones and if people are going to do a podcast and they're not going to be using a, a usb mic i can't even begin to talk about how impressed i am with the shirt with the behringer xm 8500 you've spoken into it before it's the black ones yeah. that i have 
they're $25. Wow. And they sound really good. Um, as long as you have them hooked up to a proper mic preamp, obviously at $25, they're not also going to be USB. They're just a straight XLR microphone. They're pretty much a knockoff of the Shure SM58, but I do like the, the Behringer mic seems to reject off axis a little bit better than the Shure mic, which isn't as important here as it once was when there were five, sometimes six people in this <laughs> tiny room. But it was very yeah. important when we would try to fill all the chairs here that the mics rejected off axis. It, it wasn't that we were going through and multi-track editing everything. It was just that it was less boomy, less boomy sounding. And yeah. uh, so that's the mics. Um, we used to have the mic you were talking about, uh, a Sure S. What? Oh no, it's a Sure. Don't know. Oh no, it's like the most popular mic ever too, and I'm just like spacing yeah. on it. It's the uh, like Joe Rogan's mic, and then everybody got the same. Mic. Joe Rogan, Sam Cedar. Yeah. Anyway, you know the mic I'm. Ha I have uh. It turned out that a, a vocalist friend of mine wanted it and offered me about what I paid for it right around the time that I wanted to build a computer. And I was like, well, shit, that's like two thirds of a mid range gaming computer. <laughs> this is right before the chip shortage. And I had other mics. So that, that's yeah. how that worked out. That's God. I can't believe I'm spacing on the name of that mic. Cause it's like the most legendary microphone that ever existed, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the people in the audience know exactly what mic I'm talking about. It does look similar to this one. Um, I have the uh, Focusrite uh, 18i20 audio interface, which is what plugs into the computer. It's the USB audio interface. It uh, is it it has eight in and eight out for the XLR and uh, quarter inch connections, but it the circuitry in it can do 18 in and 20 out, and that's because you can attach other stuff to it. You can attach uh, an optical like the SPDIF format. Yeah, people use it a lot of times in their home theater so that they can get surround sound. Um, yeah. So you can attach that, but that only give you an extra two stereo channels. But what I also have is the uh, Focusrite OctoPre, which connects to this, and it adds eight more XLR in, or eight, eight more XLR slash quarter inch in and out. So it's a total of sixteen in and out via XLR and quarter inch. Which is, which was fantastic and useful until the pandemic hit, and most of the time I was sitting here by myself. <laughs> but a fun story yeah. about that is the way I have everything set up here. I actually do need uh, more than eight inputs, just because it's not because I'm using them all the time. It's because like if a band comes in, just even yeah. just uh, two guitarists come in, well that means I need a mic for each of their guitars and a mic for each of their vocals. So that fills up four of the channels, plus the channel for my mic, plus the channel for this um the soundboard plus a channel for discord and then all of a sudden you're over eight channels and so now you need this you need more and so luckily enough yeah. this allows you to connect it again via an optical cable and you can add eight eight in and eight out to it uh fun story about that uh the last one i had just quit on me one day during right in the middle of my show and i couldn't use discord or anything because it's <laughs> hooked up via discord or hook, discord's hooked up to it so instead of like rewiring everything I just went the next day and paid list price at Guitar Center. It was sad because the the first one I got, I paid like three fifty four or three eighty. Yeah, list on it was five ninety nine ninety nine, and it was during oh. the chip shortage, so there just wasn't a lot. Of, they had one, and I bought the one they had. 
So there wasn't well, much. That's good. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't much haggling there. And I know it's a popular yeah. piece of gear, and they only had one left. And they, I was like, oh, you know, are you expecting more of these? And the guy just gave me a look. <laughs> so <laughs> that I was like, all right, all right, all right. I need this. I guess I'll take it. And um, so that was, you know, those are the audio interfaces, and those are as far as like I think bang for buck, you can't really beat the focus right stuff. I also have a focus right two i two, the smaller one that connects to the computer that runs discord and it's and then there's just cape like audio cables running between the two i know i could do it a different way but i choose to do it that way it's actually simpler for me if there's a problem or whatever i can just restart the computer doing discord and it's completely separate from the rest of everything it was all that computer was also running uh video ninja for a while and so that was really important because i didn't want didn't want uh video ninja audio problems taking down the whole system but all those problems have uh, worked themselves out. So um, I have various webcams, all of uh, medium quality. Yeah. I have two pointed at medium. me. <laughs> I have two pointed at me right now. One that's so Matt can see me and one so we can record and broadcast. I have another webcam over here that you can't see. It's actually pointed at my uh, DJ equipment for right now. But it would, like tomorrow night, it'll be pointed at the second mic here. And it'll yeah. be for a chip and maybe Juan if Juan comes over. Um I have an Amazon camera snob. I I couldn't deal with the webcams. I had to get a a full featured, you know, prosumer video camera. But you're also at some point I should go over that one. Yeah. But you're also into (laughs) photography and video and stuff. You're also into that stuff more than I am. I just need something that displays me on the screen and doesn't, doesn't mess with me too much. But I also have an Amazon echo dot hooked up to the system here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My parents bought that for me for Christmas one year and I had it next to my bed and it was completely useless because <laughs> I like don't have smart home stuff, right? I don't have the bulbs yeah, or I, any of the other stuff you need to make it useful. So I stuck I'm it in on the same boat. Yeah. Only I had the, the Google, uh, home thing. Um, I don't think I got, I think I got a discount, but I don't think, uh, I got it for working at Google, but I, I hooked it up, used it like a day and then realized I never was going to use it again. So I unplugged it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's somewhere. It's sitting here with the, like the microphone turned off on it and the, it's turned off on the mixer and stuff. But sometimes late at night, if, after a few drinks, we start asking it questions to see if it's learned anything since the last time. <laughs> and the general answer is no, it doesn't know anything, <laughs> but it was, you know, since, since it was useless and since I have all those inputs I mentioned before, I'm like, you know what, this is a headphone out on, I'm going to plug it into the podcast studio. <laughs> um, I also have just a MIDI controller. It's a Novation launch control. I use it to turn on and off people's microphones, um, turn on and off the sound for the browser. If I'm going to, um, preview something or whatever, uh, turns obviously turns off the echo dot it can turn off the soundboard it's each each important input has an uh, a knob on this mixer uh, this is discontinued which sucks because it's starting to act funny on me and uh, oh is I there a, another version you can get or is it that's the only one it's a form factor problem with the new version oh okay the new version's deep it has more yeah. features and it's the same price but it's deep and i don't I don't like it. What it'll do is it'll just be, it'll come disconnected basically. And so like, I'll go to hit yeah. a button to start a song and the song won't start. <laughs> so I have to unplug <laughs> it, replug it in and then, you know, refresh things. But I'll, I'll find a, I'll find a brand new old stock one somewhere. It's not that important. Yeah. Um, speakers. I just have, they're, 
really common there. KRK uh, rocket powered five monitors. They're just super common. Um, I've had them forever. Uh, I have a power conditioner in the rack in the desk so that yeah. all of this, mostly just to protect the audio interfaces, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And the computer too, I guess. And it won't, you know, it won't, it won't let anything nasty through. It'll just shut itself off if there's a, if there's a, a surge or whatever. Yeah. And then behind me, as the people on the podcast can see, there's a, <laughs> there's a stand in that stand is a DDJSX, uh, pioneer Serato controller. That's actually a first generation DDJSX, the first release of it. They're on the third generation. Now the thing's about 10 years old. Um, somebody spilled a bottle of wine into it at bike party. And it's and fine. It, it still works. I'd like to buy a wow. new one, but I'm, you know, again, chip shortage and stuff being as it is uh, not right yeah. now. Um, to tell all your friends about this show so we can get lots of people listening and we can, uh, buy new equipment so we can sell some ads or maybe even get a sponsorship from pioneer yeah and, <laughs> and then hooked up to that is an old an old thinkpad um and that that's the only machine that runs windows because the dj software serato is not available for ubuntu or for linux and the dj software for linux is perfectly fine for what we use it for during the show like queuing up one song while the other's playing but if i were to try to do anything interesting wouldn't do it no <laughs> and it's there's another problem too there's a general midi is the the way it would hook up if it was uh under linux and there's a new format called hid which is much more uh accurate a general midi has 128 like per knob and hid i think it's like a hundred times that or something so okay. it, it's like much more accurate so that has to run windows and that machine's just an appliance like i turn it on and i start serato and that's all that machine does um, I hate the file manager in windows. I hate it so much. I hate having to do file manager stuff. So unfortunately I'm not a hundred percent Linux because of Serato, but, um, maybe one day they'll release Serato for Linux or maybe one day the application mix will catch up or maybe somebody will make something new that does the same yeah. thing. But, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm in an event and I'm being paid, they don't, they're, they they do not give a shit if I'm an open source purist, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like if I just want to do it to sound good <laughs> they, they're there for what it sounds like and i just realized that for the second time now we have to put explicit on this show because i've i've sworn twice it's gonna be very hard for me to not do that very hard for me to not do that so there'll be a picture of uh the studio in the the show notes well there'll be a link to the wiki we have our own wiki which i'll talk about next week um there'll be a link to the wiki and that'll include software information and stuff too and um i love gear i know that i absolutely don't need all of the gear that i have here I could do this on yeah. much less gear, but I am one of those people who is addicted to buying audio equipment. And, uh, <laughs> so anybody out there, if you're thinking of starting a podcast or whatever, uh, feel free to hit me up on discord or Twitter. If you just want some gear advice. I'm not going to try to spend all your money. Like I've done here. I'm not going to try to build you a spaceship, but I will, uh, help you get what you need without spending too much money and make sure that you, you know, buy good stuff the first time. Cause one of the mistakes we made when we started the podcast, this is long before you got here. We just yeah. tried to cheap out on the gear and it was just the worst idea. Yeah, that, that happens. I've but, had problems with that on other stuff. Before. Yeah. The, it, it's almost always a, the situation where you don't want to buy the most expensive thing, but you, if you, if it's something you care about, you're going to want to spend some money on it. Right. Yeah. You know, for, for example, the, 
the main the USB audio interface is about I don't know how much they are. I haven't looked them up during the shortage. I think they list at six hundred, but you could consistently get them for four fifty. Okay. Like Yeah. And then the uh <clears throat> the Octopre was actually <clears throat> listed at, you know, also six hundred, five ninety nine, ninety nine, but you could consistently get that for about three eighty before the chip shortage. Yeah. Just because it had less features or whatever. But that's no longer the case. You're paying list, especially for Focusrite stuff. Because uh, <clears throat> the 2i2 that I have here is the most popular audio interface in the world. And so oh, if yeah. it's out of place, it's going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hardware I have in the studio. Next week, I think they'll, I'll, we'll be talking about all the software that I run here. And uh, that might go a little bit longer because um, there's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, And I think people will be a little more interested in that. But I figure if the, people are listening to these in order, the... The hardware does come first because you have to have something to run the software on, connect all, connect everything yeah. to. So, uh, and I guess that's the show. Uh, thanks for joining me this week, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, wait, oh. whose show is this? I guess it's your show. I guess, uh, it's our show, but you're, you're welcome for joining you this week, Matt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was tight. Everybody make sure you check out our other shows. Just type Echoplex Media into your favorite podcatcher and uh, follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. We don't do this show live, but there will eventually down the road, if the show starts to gain an audience, we will um, maybe not do this show live, but have some associated thing of some kind that we do live on right. Twitch with this maybe show. Maybe Tech Red Light <laughs> live. Oh my God. <laughs> Next time both of you are in town, we, we should just each like throw down $130 and build a computer out of the 390 bucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah Could probably pull it off all right this has been how the tech are you thanks for listening <laughs>